0: Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, where we co-author the playbook on transforming communities by amplifying the impact of changemakers around us. Whether you are an entrepreneur or otherwise changemaker yourself, a citizen who loves their community with a passion and wants to see it thrive, whether you are a mentor, investor, support organization, advisor, philanthropic funder, economic developer or policymaker, Learn the practical tools and proven tactics of ecosystem builders from all around the world to better support the dreamers, doers, tinkerers and makers in your community by taking a systems approach to social change. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to another bonus episode on Ecosystems for Change. As I was wrapping up the first year of the show, I found myself wondering... What had come of all those great plans and even greater unknowns that many of my guests had shared with me when they were on the show. And selfishly, I wanted to catch up with some of my previous guests to hear what they are working on these days. So I invited a handful of them to come back on the show and let us know how their world has evolved since we last heard from them. You will hear stories about leaving corporate, entering corporate, hosting large events and leading teams. We talked about the Lord of the Rings and weeding out hegemonic systems. We also talked about grief and fear and becoming parents. And throughout all of it, there runs a beautiful thread of building and nurturing entrepreneurial ecosystems and communities throughout the Americas. First, I caught up with Charlton Cunningham from season one. Back then, Charlton was a digital nomad working from anywhere in the world and meeting ecosystem builders along the way. Charlton shares with us in what ways his fresh start in Tulsa, Oklahoma is similar to and yet very different from his early days as an ecosystem builder in Atlanta, Georgia. Charlton, yay! Welcome back to the show. It's awesome to see you. Um, Thank you for making the time. It is uh, getting dark where I am and you're just an hour behind me. So thanks for making the time to talk to us. Last time I had you on the show in season one, you were a digital nomad, (laughs) traveling the world, working from anywhere. And now you are still somewhat a nomad, but you are definitely a little bit more settled. Tell me about what has happened between last year and this year and how your life has changed.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you so much for inviting me back onto the podcast. Uh, So, what has happened from last year to this year? so I accepted a role, and I am based in Tulsa, Oklahoma now. So shout out to Cecilia Wessinger, who's the the badass ecosystem builder of Tulsa, um, who has like been my shepherd as I come into this new community. Um, and coming from a nomad lifestyle, I'm getting like acclimated and getting back into learning how to <laughs> be in one place um, and to, you know go back to my bread and butter of like connecting with people and outreach and, you know, doing all these things that I did in 2011, back when I was a young ecosystem that in Atlanta and didn't know anybody. So it's, it's been kind of a fun rehash of like, I get to do like the beginning things all over again and like figure out what, you know, what have I learned from all the folks um, that have come along the way. And so um, it's been pretty cool so far.
0: How is doing this work now different from doing this work in Atlanta 10, 11 years ago?
1: Uh, There's more resources in terms of just like, you know, this podcast. I was, you know, I've been listening to the episodes of this podcast. Um, So there, one, there's more resources. Two, I have like a playbook from what I've done before and what I know is, you know, helpful um, from the resources that are available through, um, blogs, podcasts, um, Kauffman foundation. Right. And I know how to get those. So I'm not like scrounging for them. Um, and then two, I'm in a totally different, um, environment in terms of like, um, going from a bigger city in Atlanta to a smaller emerging community has been, that's kind of been a a big difference. Um, and so, yeah, those are the things that come top of mind, but it's it's been an adventure so far and I'm excited to continue doing it.
0: Awesome. Uh, by the time this airs, I think you'll be in the middle of your accelerator. Tell us a little bit more about the actual role that you currently hold and with whom.
1: Yeah, so I'm the program manager of Lightship Foundation. Lightship Foundation, um, we like to call it a house with two sides. So Lightship has Lightship Capital, which houses a $50 million fund and Lightship Foundation is the startup programming founder education side and so i um, manage and deliver our programming here in tulsa our accelerator program is a 12-week program Um, we are looking at founders that are ready to scale Um, so they have a product and market they're revenue generating and they're um, you know they're making considerable traction and so those are that's kind of the makeup of our um, companies Um, In our 12-week program, um, we'll do mentorship, kind of mentorship-based workshops on the front half and on the back half. Um, Our secret sauce is what we call our work sprints. Um, So every company might need something different. We have an in-house team that can provide um, specific services for these companies. So a company might need a rebrand, new logo. Um, We work with CPG companies, so they might need new packaging so we can perform that. Um, company might be doubling in size, and so we can create a hiring or HR strategy and um, work with them to create job descriptions or do some light recruiting. Um, We also have really great corporate connections, and so helping develop and create those corporate partnerships is another one of those um, tracks. And then the last one is really focused on their sales cycle and figuring out if we can streamline that process. And so that's, um, that's what I'll be, you know, running in january and when you say mid-january like my heart drops a little bit because it's just like i'm just gonna be all in <laughs> like nobody talks to me you know nobody call me like that is what i'll be focused on so um yeah we got we got some ways but i'm excited about it
0: it sounds like it and i'm super excited to see that you landed in a role that is such a great fit for who you are and what you do and what your expertise is personal question how have you changed over the last year What is something that you've stopped doing, you've started doing, you have a new perspective on with all the traveling you've done, with the career change? How are you a different, Charlton, than you were a year ago?
1: Wow, you always have these deep questions. Um, How am I different? Um, I think my, and maybe this is a theme, but my worldview continues to be expanded and my, um, you know, possibility the possibilities in my mind that are available c- continues to be continues to expand. So, you know, a lot of people were like, Oh my gosh, Charleston, you're going from a nomad to going to Tulsa, Oklahoma. Like, what is that? What do you t- Like, <laughs> what are you doing to yourself? But like, uh, I don't know one, I really, you know, mm-hmm appreciate community right and connecting with people and so that's something i missed that i'm enjoying stepping back into um this familiarity seeing people and and developing these relationships but i also know and can keep up with people that i've met across the country across the world and so like what does it look like to to have a check-in call and to keep it quarterly with people i know in mexico city or people i know in calgary canada that's something like a, pr- a new practice. I think is um, that's developed over the last year is like intentionality, um, and you know it's something I re- recognize and realize in my you know immediate community in my day to day life. But like if I want to continue to hold these relationships um, that I that I consider dear across um, across the globe, then I need to be intentional about um, checking in, reaching out.
0: Perfect. Um, What are you excited about in 2023?
1: What am I excited about in 2023? Um, Other
0: than season five, season six, season (laughs) seven of your favorite podcast show.
1: (laughs) Besides that, um, I am excited about really beginning to add my own like point of view ideas, like I've been in Tulsa for about four months now. And so like I've I'm the way that I approached it is that I'm going to reach out and connect with everybody and just get a lay of the land. Right. So I'm auditing the ecosystem um, to put in that perspective. And so I'm like through that research phase. And so now I'm ready to like take it all in and spit out like, this is what I think should exist here. Um, And then And my strategy is just like, I'm going to start talking about it, right? So I like to write and I'll write a blog and I'll say, this is what I think should exist here. And then people who have been working on it or who might have the same idea, they're going to come and reach out to me. And then I'll be like, cool, I didn't find you initially, but I'm glad you're like (laughs) raising your hand. And so the part of like joining other people and work that I think would be beneficial to the community, I'm super excited about. Um, I'm also super excited about getting these so when the accelerator starts we'll have I'll have five new companies founders in town and so I'll have like these direct individuals that it'll be my job to like ensure that they're successful and so like that'll be super exciting for me because I love to add value and I love to um, figure out ways I can help connect people Um, yeah and I think just generally just continuing to make Tulsa a place that I can call home I'm, I'm super excited about
0: Excellent. Quick plug, you wrote the Tulsa Oklahoma startup guide. So anyone who wants to go to Tulsa, I assume you're going to print this and bind it really nicely for the five companies that are going to start in your accelerator. (laughs) But I'm super excited to see how hopefully you're publishing this on Medium or somewhere where we can follow along and see what you're finding and how all of this is unfolding. Where can we meet you in 2023? Any events, conferences, anything planned of where we might bump into you?
1: Yeah, so you can definitely come to Tulsa and meet me here. There's a lot of great things happening here. I will be at South by Southwest. Um, I will be at Black Tech Week, which is a a conference that um, Lightship runs. That's in the summer. Um, I'll most likely be at the SCN Summit in the spring. Yeah, those those are a few of the places that you can find me out and about. Say hey.
0: Say hey. I will say hey when I see you at SCN (laughs) in the spring. Okay, last question. Um, For anyone listening who has been supporting entrepreneurs, has been cheerleading founders, and is like, you know what? 2023 is the year that I'm going to show up as an ecosystem builder. What are you telling those people who want to become more involved in their local ecosystem no matter where they are in
1: the world? So for me, it's always been about the end. like who are you serving at the end of the day? If you are adding value to entrepreneurs, to founders in your community, then that's all that matters. And if we focus on that, then everything else will figure out itself. Um, but continue to focus on supporting entrepreneurs um, and however that looks for you in your ecosystem. Um, and I think good things will happen.
0: Awesome. This would have been so great if it had actually been the last question. Another one just came to my mind.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Really my last question. Um, what's the last good book you've read?
1: The last good book I read. Um, so I'm currently reading The Power of Strangers. I believe that's the book. And he just talks about like how we need to practice like chit-chatting and like opening up. And it it just opens up a world where um, like it's just a world of possibility where you like, we don't know what's going on in the heads or what is going on in the lives of people. Um, But when we engage, like it just, it it just creates possibility. And so uh, I've been really enjoying the power of strangers.
0: All right. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Is there anything else that you want to share that I haven't touched on that you feel like we need to have before we start into the new year or as we start into the new year.
1: As you start into the new year, Um, I don't know. Just take it one day at a time. Like I said, focus on the main things. (laughs) You're laughing because you're like, we can't take it any more days at a time, Charlton. (laughs) Um, uh, I think, I think we always come into New Year's with like big lofty goals, but I really love, I mean, one of the strategies the first time, you know, back in 2012, when I was a young ecosystem builder was like, okay, we have all these big dreams and these big things that we want to do. What can we do? in a month, what can we do in a week and what can we do tomorrow? And if you bite-size chunk it out, um, then you'll accomplish more than you expect.
0: All right, I will uh, send that reminder to you when you're in the midst of your accelerator, <laughs> just to keep you give you a taste of your own medicine. No, all kidding aside, that's really good advice. Thank you so much for making the time, Charlton. And I hope you have a fabulous 2023 and i can't wait to watch you reemerge after the accelerators over and hopefully see you at the startup champions network summit in dc in the spring. thank you so much charlton.
1: thank you. it's a, such a pleasure to be to be here and i'm super excited about hearing where everyone else is after after their episode. so really appreciate you having me back.
0: next i chatted with michelle aravallo carpenter in quito, ecuador. In 2022, Michelle left Impacto, a purpose-driven company that she co-founded nine years ago. Michelle opens up about the need for self-care for social entrepreneurs and what her journey of letting go has looked like so far. Michelle Aravalo Carpenter, I am so excited to have you back on the show. It has been over a year that we last talked and so much has changed for you. So first off... the beginning of the year thank you so much for making time to talk to us it's good to see you how are you doing today
2: i i am i am great i am uh you know i am i am in in a grateful mode (laughs) grateful that it's a sunny day grateful that it's uh um you know that that there are all kinds of uh, dreams and uh and projects and, and things coming up so yes i am i am in a grateful mode
0: Wonderful. So, as I mentioned, you have gone through a huge shift since you were last on the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about that major development in twenty twenty two?
2: Oh wow. Okay. Well, I mean, for for those of you who who hadn't heard from me before, <laughs> a year ago, I was uh, uh, I was the CEO and co founder of of Impacto. Um, a B Corp that is, that develops community and, and, and does this with through through four different business units, co-working spaces, um, consulting, business acceleration, and uh, and an impact investment fund. Um, at the time, we were in the middle of, of raising our, our impact investment fund. I'm happy to to uh, confirm that we're almost almost done with the fundraising, and, and we're we're already analyzing a few uh, options for um for investment. But, but beyond that, I think that the biggest shift was um, that I am no longer the CEO of Impacto. I went through a year of, of a very big transition, uh, and, uh, and, and part of that was um, talking to my team, my co-founders, my, my business partners, um, to, to explain how I had this very deep yearning for, for having Impacto transcend me. Um, so, so that's, that's how it all started. And by, um, was it May? Yeah, by May, I was, uh, I was already uh, closing my, my chapter as CEO of Impact. I'm still very much involved and of course, part of the board and, and, and supporting uh, the work. But, uh, but that's very loving,
0: a um, little bit difficult uh, transition uh, took place. I imagine. Can you remind me how long you were at IMPACTO? Uh, yeah, almost nine years. And you're the one who started it or you, who co-founded it together with Daniela. That's correct.
2: Yes, we, we started it. It was a dream that like, you know, we started from scratch. Um, and I think that like, again, an important thing to, to mention about this is that community was a really important part of how we planned this transition. And, uh, and to explain it and to be open about it. You know, like people are like, uh, basically I, am looking to build up a narrative of why something ends. And I don't know if it's everywhere else, but in Latin America, we tend to be dramatic, you know, like, so most of the time endings tend to be dramatic and negative, right. Um, and, uh, and I think that's the building up of a collective narrative of how, how one might close a cycle in a way that is planned. In the way that gives the founder agency, in a way that offers, you know, generosity and 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 love uh, as part of this of closing a loop, was uh, was a big part of, of 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 how we did this. But then it also became a big part of why why it was important for us to model a full cycle for our own community of 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 founders. Um, and then I think more, more specifically, like, you know, asking that question, why, what happened? You know, there's like a, a number of different answers, but it all started in probably deeper in my heart, um, as part, uh, you know, as a result of me being part of the very cool community that most startup founders should look at, and especially change makers, uh, it's called the wellbeing project. I think I might've mentioned it to you before. Mm-hmm. Um, and the wellbeing project, uh, basically, um, you know, pulls together a, a, a global community and network of people that want to make do a double click on what is it like to be a change maker, and why is it that so many change makers, so many people that want social environmental change, um, have such terrible outcomes in terms of their own mental health, in their own private lives. Um, so, so when once I learned that. Uh, social entrepreneurs tend to have, I don't know, the highest rates of like, you know, of, uh, of divorce, anxiety, depression, high blood pressure, mm-hmm. you know, poor health. Um, you know, I realized it's like, okay, there's something here to, to dig deeper into, because I wonder if this is going to catch up to me. And the way I, I, I describe it is probably, you know, to most people that don't understand is it, like, why would a social entrepreneur who's happy doing and fulfilling his or her purpose in life, be unhappy, you know, this is supposed to make you happy. And and I think that my answer is, it's a little bit has to do with the, with the way society looks at the founder uh, and expects from the founder. And it's like putting on the ring in Lord of the Rings, right? So you put on a ring and then you're all powerful and you have everyone clapping at you and saying, wow, you've done amazing things for us, for the community, for the world, Uh, you know, there's the, you know, the, the covers of magazines and interviews and, and people, you know, venerating you. But when you take off the ring, you're just sitting there with yourself and wondering, you know, how am I as a human being, as a person separate from this project, and when your identity gets diluted into a Bigger project into a bigger community. That is when the inner work needs to start, right? Who am I separate from my project? Um, and I, I, really was yearning to explore that, and I understood that that is something that I needed to to um, to take the leap. That uh, you know that having the ring on me <laughs> um, as I'm exploring it wouldn't work, and. Um, uh, yeah, so, so I figured it's, it's a very good time to also remove myself from this and just see see what happens. See if, if we've done our work right, then then our communities should transcend us. And uh, I wanted to put that to a test.
0: I feel this deeply and I can't imagine how much work and heartache goes into separating yourself separating part of your identity that was in Pacto for nine years and sort of pulling out and and seeing what's left of you after so many years of just pouring yourself into this project, into your community, into building something so much greater than just yourself and your co-founders. That sounds really hard. How have you personally changed throughout this year? Well, you know,
2: I think that that it's still in the works. I think that, uh, like you said, separating oneself from, from the, like the public identity of being the founder of yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's something that, that takes time as, as much as it took time to build it up. It also takes some time to separate yourself from, from the, its success or its failure. So what I can say about, about how I am is I, I think I probably am a little bit more uh in tune with my own emotions that's that helps um i i am more in, intentional about seeking out friends and joy um and uh, i am also more curious i think that t- to be a successful founder more like so so often we are asked of clients, investors, funders, grantee, grants to be focused. And, um, and of course that generates success, you know, you're focusing, you do few things very well, but, uh, I am learning to explore again and to look at things with a curious mind. Uh, so that that's also, um, a a really good outcome that has, you know, that was brought on by this transition.
0: In terms of working your way through this transition to returning to yourself in a way, are you doing this all by yourself through introspection or are there certain tools or people or programs or processes that help you think through and work through some of this?
2: Well, you know what? Nothing too structured. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I I was working with, with a very good coach um, towards the end of my time at Impacto. Uh, uh, and he definitely helped me take the harder steps of having more difficult conversations he helped me uh, kind of like you know when I, when you are ready you know to take a, a jump you know he helped me just just kind of be like okay held me accountable to actually taking it right so that was very useful in terms of of taking taking action um but then i think that's you know sharing my, myself with friends very intentionally has been very really important uh looking out and and reaching for my communities has also been very important and i'm uh, reactivating those uh so the bmw responsible leaders uh, um, program for example has been very very important to me in in, in terms of finding others the well-being projects and you know i continue to meet other founders that that I are either going through this process or starting to question it or have already gone through it so it's uh you know this seems like a very strange problem to have right like it's a very rare problem to have to be a founder who left everything and left it right And you know it's like how is that a problem you're happy you know so like again the world expects you to be happy for this you know um uh, but uh but of course it's painful and 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 it's really difficult to find others who have gone through the same in the same terms you know without bitterness without mm-hmm without a lot of difficult drama, right? So, um, so it's been really important to, to, for me to look for those people and, um, you know, and being able to share that experience.
0: Well, you'll be interested to hear that season five of Ecosystems for Change is called The Quitters, and we will be talking to people who have quit <laughs> their organization, their community, or the field of ecosystem building. So hopefully a few more like-minded people for you to listen to. Ah, oh, can't wait. Michelle, what are you excited about in 2023? You know, as, as you said, this transformation is not something that will end or will have ended on December 31st, 2022. It's probably an ongoing process because we as people continue to change. But as you're looking towards the future of 2023, what has you excited?
2: So I am actually very excited about exploring how might we build communities as, as a tool within business, but for good. So it's, um, I know, and, you know, kind of, I had a great conversation with another, uh, very good communities colleague, Fabian Fortmuller. I think you you might have met him. Yeah. Uh, And we were talking about whether this is possible because, you know, for some of us, uh, you know, our practitioners in community building. You know, these like branded communities that, you know, are basically built to sell a product. I kind of like, Ooh, that's not what we do. You know, like, Oh, that's yucky. Like we don't even want to open that. Um, but, uh, but Michelle being Michelle, <laughs> I want to actually <laughs> poke at that. I want to see whether, um, whether more, you know, more community centric professionals might inject some magic to these branded communities. And maybe there could be a center in the continuum, you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, whenever I, I see places where there's purism of like, oh, this is purely for sales, or this is purely for the sake of, you know, the good of the world. You know, I, am always like, um, interested in exploring how, how could this be used for good in in the center, because there's clearly a market, there's clearly a need for, for companies and brands to build communities around, you know, around their brand. But you, we know that it's impossible to build community just about around being pretty or like, or just around, you know, you know, things that are not profound. So what if we injected purpose to those communities and, 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 uh, and found a middle ground that, you know, that, Probably more more traditional community practitioners can live with, so that that has me excited. Uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to, to understanding how how this could work uh, for the greater good, uh, but also leveraging a lot of these brands that are probably honestly curious about how communities can can support business
0: too. I am excited for you because you. I remember I don't know if you remember this, but in the first interview we had for this show, you were really talking about impact was not just a co-working space it was a need for belonging there was a the need to create a space in whatever sense for people who share this passion to come together and feel that they belong and that has always stuck with me because i think that is really the essence of community building and i agree with you that a meaningful community can be really powerful and even though it's been instrumentalized by a lot of companies and in very capitalistic ways i think there is something deeper to cultivating this community of change makers or people who just care about a shared cause and how can we be intentional about bringing those people together and see what we can create by you know i believe that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts and i think figuring out how we can bring those people together and give them a shared experience or platform or space to belong and work together or even just be in community is really, really interesting. So please keep us posted about how that's going. That sounds we'll
2: fantastic. Will do. We'll do. I, uh, I'm excited to explore it. We'll see. We'll see where it takes me.
0: Wonderful. Um, Michelle, are there any events that you already know you'll be at in 2023 so we can mark our calendars and, and find out where we might be able to see you and meet you in person?
2: Oh, oh wow. I'm afraid to say that I'm not a very good planner. I usually, you know, buy flights last minute <laughs> and accept <laughs> invitations last minute as well. So, so whoever's listening, um, I would always, I would be happy to come visit your community
0: and, and learn, uh, and learn from you. So, so yeah, I I, I have a clean slate for 2021, 23. So whoever's listening, uh, Michelle has curiosity and some flexibility in her calendar. So. Invite her, show her around your ecosystem and talk to her about meaningful communities for change makers. That's awesome. Um, Michelle, what are you currently reading? Anything good you could recommend or listening to or watching?
2: Well, um, a few things, but but the one that I probably sticks out uh, for me the most is um, is. Uh, a book that is very, of course, uh, relevant to, to where I am right now. It's called Life is in the Transitions. Uh, it's called Mastering Change at Any Age. Uh, and it's um, it's a really good book that um, through storytelling and through understanding the moments of, of change or the lifequakes that, you know, it, it describes these lifequakes that we all go through in our lives <laughs> um, and how that changes changes us deeply and uh and and how transitions can you know can be this magical space full of possibility rather than this yeah this thing that you just want to get over with and and get on to your
0: next step right michelle my last question is for whoever is listening and says you know what I think I'm going to start showing up as an ecosystem builder in 2023. I've supported social entrepreneurs, change makers, nonprofits, whatever it is. And now that I've listened to all these conversations, I really want to be more of a of an ecosystem builder or a community builder in my community. What is your advice to people who want to make this their primary object, objective in 2023?
2: I'd say go for it, but go for it in um. In a way that is not just about branding yourself you know it's not about just changing your name i think it's it's about trying on that hat you know um before changing changing you know the byline in your linkedin profile right um (laughs) uh, because you know i think that showing up means truly showing up you know maybe join a few more meetups practice, facil- facilitation, practice connecting people, practice failing, you know, because that is what I would consider showing up truly, you know, in, in this new year as a, as a, an ecosystem builder. And of course, always look for your colleagues. You know, if you don't have any colleagues locally, look out for them globally, because there's, there's a lot out there and uh, and it's an exciting time to to learn and to build your own community of practice.
0: Wonderful, Michelle, thank you so much for your time. I am so excited to see what 2023 and beyond has in store for you. So thank you for coming back and hopefully we'll have you back on the show next year to find out what's new with you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. If you too are interested in purpose-driven communities around purpose-driven brands and companies, connect with Michelle. And if you have any cool events coming up that you want to invite Michelle to, buy her a plane ticket and she might just show up for you. The next guest I caught up with is my dear friend Shelley Rose, who came on the show in season three as we talked about preventing burnout and taking better care of ourselves. Since then, Shelley left the comfort of her corporate job to finally return to school to earn her master's degree. When we talked last summer, Shelly was considering putting her business on the back burner so she could pursue her dream of returning to school while supporting herself. Since then, she went through a lot of introspection about what she wanted this next chapter of her life to look like. Shelly also lost her mother since we last talked and asked herself what she would do if she wasn't afraid. So she quit her job and went all in with her business full-time while earning her master's degree. In the conversation you're about to hear, we talk about the mental blocks we all have and how Shelly worked through her fears step by step. All right, Shelly Rose, it's so good to see you. Um, Obviously the audience doesn't know this, but we were technically supposed to be sitting in my husband's closet right now to record this episode (laughs) in person. But because my daughter got sick, the whole visit got canceled. So we are back on screens. And doing this remotely so thank you for squeezing us in in the middle of exams which already brings me to my first question shelly rose what has changed since you were last on the show
3: oh my goodness yeah well thanks for having me back again um it's always fun to chat about and catch up because my a lot has changed and it's funny when i think back on what i said last time which was i was working a corporate job part-time while doing my business, my passion part-time. So I was in this split world, which I've been in for a long time. And I knew at the time I needed to go back to school. I knew this and I didn't know how it was gonna shake out. It's just one of those things that you kind of like, you know, when you're nowhere, you gotta do it. And it's very clear that you're not really sure how. And mm-hmm. I only have those happened a few times in life, right? So when I feel that I'm like, okay, I'm not sure yet, but I'll figure it out. There will be a way. And that was the case. And so a lot has, yeah, a lot has changed. So I have left my corporate job, which I've been at for many years. I am doing my business full-time, mostly full-time as the rest of the time is dedicated to being in school to expand my clinical skill set, so I can get the credentials and things I want to, you know, really further my scope of practice. So, oh my goodness, Um, yeah that's really the sum of it I moved as well so that's another big change a lot of big changes that I may not have um, really seen coming and it's they're all um, most of them are awesome. I just didn't see these things happening at this point in time so yeah feeling very blessed
0: Just to recap for those who haven't heard your episode yet or didn't listen to it at the time you were even talking about potentially putting your business on the back burner. So that you could allow yourself to go back to school while still doing your corporate job and instead you said no i'm gonna leave the corporate job i'm gonna put my business on the somewhat front burner right next to going back to school and getting your master's program so kudos to you for that must have been hard
3: yeah, thank you. Hey, that's a really good point to call out because you're right. I, I've i been wanting to make this move for a really long time. And I know many people who are in this place of doing two jobs until the other one can be financially viable and stable. And it's funny because over the years I had been saving money. I had been working really hard for, on the financial side, right? Because for me, that was the biggest um, biggest leap to be debt free and to save and I wasn't sure how I was going to pay for school. So my thought was, well, I'll just put my business on hold. And that made my heart hurt. Like it really did, but I knew I needed to be in school. So I I thought, well, I'll, I'll lay this down for the greater good of my, um, the bigger picture. Like I needed to look bigger and zoom out a bit. So I was willing to do that. And I knew school was the right thing. If I was willing to do that. And so that was the plan. However, that did not work out. I, my, um, my part-time job, I started to realize I, I couldn't do it all. That's the short answer. I I was treading water for a really long time, and I don't think I realized how hard I was treading waters for how long. And that slowly over time, I wasn't really doing a good job at any of these things. And so, I mean, having uh, my partner and teenagers, having uh, – business, my other job. And then trying to do it all was a lot. And then adding a school to that was just insanity. So I knew I couldn't do them all. I just wasn't sure how it was all going to shake out. But ultimately, um, even in the mix, I had a a huge loss. My mom passed in May and boy, that's that type of thing just really stops you in your tracks and makes you reevaluate things. And I realized like I needed time. I needed to give myself uh, time to process that and grieve. I couldn't do all those things even before school started. It gave me the freedom to look at my whole picture and my finances in a way without fear and finally, actually decide what would I want if I wasn't afraid of something. And it made me really deal with some deep fears around finances and security and leaving my corporate job and the the, um, comfort that it's given me over the years. And it made me really deal with that, which was, um, that was heavy, I have to say. Um, But yeah, I'll pause there because that's kind of, that's really the impetus for it.
4: And
0: I just want to point out that, you know, we can throw these terms around of a corporate job and security and a business on the side, but it's a huge step to give up that one thing, that one paycheck. That has given you the comfort and the security over the years to really throw that overboard and not just say I'm going all in on my business and, and hope the numbers work, but also expanding yourself in a different area of your life. So you are now how many months into this whole new season of your life? It's been about four, five? Yeah, three, four months. How is it going so far compared to what
3: you had expected? Oh my goodness. You know, I- well, it's it's crazy because I feel like I'm doing what I what I dreamed of, and I remember earlier this year, around April, I wrote down how would this be possible to go back to school, and I made a list of each scenario, and one of them was go back to school, like pause my business and still work my other job, and I I was like, oh, I hate that, and then another one was go back to school and do my business full time, and then I crossed it off because I was like, I don't know how this is possible, but it, but if I was being honest with myself. That's what I really wanted. And I think I allowed myself to just decide what I really wanted. And um, yeah, and then I wasn't able to keep up with some of the things that were required in my other job. And I'm used to being like a rock star and I, I just wasn't. And that was a reality check too, is that you just can't do it all. And um, so I started to think about what um, it could look like if I decided all of my passion full time. And my partner was like, this is really easy. Just do it. Like, just go for it. Like, just why wouldn't you do that? It's so simple. And what's interesting that I observed about his way of thinking and mine is I had some fear-based mentalities that I had to work through. Whereas he's the type of person who just knows if he sees something he wants, he doesn't have a whole lot in the way. And it's really helpful to be around people like that who don't have these mental blocks around money or, um, Safety and things like that. And so just being in the company of someone is like, do it. It's it like and it helped me think through, you know, what it looks like strategically too. I didn't do it blindly. I'm very risk averse. But even, you know, his daughter, who's 14, she's like, follow your dreams. Why is this so hard? <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I just have a lifetime of things I'm thinking through, you know? And so yeah. it's so funny that. Um, for other people, they just don't have these mental hoops to jump through. And when I started to, um, uncomplicate it and just acknowledge what my fear was, and it wasn't really, and the financial piece really did work out. That really wasn't the problem. It was more of me attaching to it as a a form of like safety. And I realized I was, I was safe. That was not, that's not real safety. And so interestingly enough, things like this are more emotionally rooted and just made me decide um to move past that so it was just huge it was so huge and I'm glad you I know as a friend you appreciate uh how big of a deal it was to to leave that job and leave that comfort it's worth it totally worth it
0: we've been talking about it for years of whatever it was. If, if you <laughs> I mean, didn't that, okay. try to split your so brain good. in like four different ways I'm I'm really thrilled to hear it I'm especially thrilled to hear that I remember at the time you were talking in those terms of not letting fear hold you back and really listening to your gut and knowing what's right and finding a way to do it. And lastly, we underestimate how powerful it is to face our fears and speak them out loud and have someone actually check them and say, why are you so afraid of this thing is, I don't know, And my head is huge. And in my head, this fear is the most legitimate reason not to do something. And it is the worst thing that could ever happen to me. And I feel as though. Many times when we put that fear out for other people to, to see and dissect, we realize it's absolutely manageable, but you can't always, I think you can hardly ever do it on your own. So I'm really glad to see you have a support network that calls you out on this and helps you work through these and and remove some of those barriers because not all barriers can be removed, but this is one that you were really able to work through.
3: Yeah, you, you nailed it exactly. This is the biggest learning that i got out of this time period what and it's it's crazy because it's usually something we already know but this one was so big it was hard to you know kind of uproot it but the reality is whenever there's a fear we should dig in because there's gold on there's just gold on the other side of that and usually if we have the courage to ask ourselves what is that fear and say what it is in which case i wrote it down i said it out loud i started to talk to people about it and I knew it had, I knew it was big for me because when I would talk about it, I'd get kind of teary and emotional. And I'm like, what in the world is that about? And it's like, wow, this is stirring some stuff up, but I'm not even trying. So, I mean, I'm an emotional person anyway, but it was interesting. That's how you know you're onto something. And that's where, that's exactly when you should keep going and keep thinking and talk to people. Like you said, it's like, get it out of your head and getting out in the open and just bringing into the light, and just doesn't look the way you might think. And it's it's just so cool to
0: overcome stuff like that,
3: especially if it, it's been going on for a long time.
0: I'm so thrilled to see you coming out the other side. So tell us, how is life different now? How are you different personally? How have you changed? Oh goodness, um, I feel
3: like I'm recovering a lot of mental space back that was divided for so long, and I didn't quite understand how draining that was. And so I'm sort of recovering my energy back and it feels so good to focus on one thing at a time, like just one thing that I genuinely love. I mean, I I sit down on Wednesday mornings where I'd normally be at my other job and I'm like, "I'm, I'm getting ready to meet with clients on a Wednesday morning. I'm doing what I love. And now when I meet people and I'm introducing myself in my head, I'm thinking, I always said, I have two jobs. And now I'm like, I'm a full-time nutritionist and it feels so damn good to say that after so
0: many yeah. years. When I come back to the fears one more time, all the things you were afraid of just before you decided to jump. Now that you've jumped and you're, you're swimming, you're floating, you're thriving. Are they as bad as you thought they would be? If you could talk to yourself in March of last year, what would you tell yourself? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, Rather than having a
3: like a blind fear, where so here's an example for mine. I wanted to go back to school, but I didn't know how. Right, and I would say maybe next year. And then Tim, my partner, goes, "Why not in the fall?" And then I immediately teared up, thinking, "I don't know. I've always thought things like this might be further off. It's just not possible right now." And I realized that mindset was keeping me from, you know, having something good happen sooner. And so he's like, "Well, let's sit down and look at it." Like. How much do you need to be making, and what services do you offer? And like actually working through. When I work through the numbers, versus just saying I don't know how it's going to happen, I can see how it can happen. And then if I, I said, what's the in my mind? I had to calculate what's the worst case scenario, which is you don't maybe make X amount of money, and then what will you do? And so we talked through that too. And then to the point where we address every single fear or concern one by one and walk through those scenarios. And then every, my fears were unfounded. I just needed to dig into them. And so I think, I guess answering your question, what would I would tell myself is listen when I say things like that and um, just meet them head on, you know, and have somebody with you, do it with you. Don't do it by yourself. Have someone who will challenge you and who loves you and supports you, who will poke at it a little bit. Annika, you're awesome for that, by the way. <laughs> so
0: <laughs> surround yourself with people like hugely that. Hugely valuable. <laughs> yeah super maybe that's a service I should offer in 2023 and call me <laughs> up with your bs and I'm going to I'm going to walk you through it and we're going to dismantle the fear um shelly what are you excited about in 2023 i am excited to
3: continue school for one that has been a dream a long time coming i'm a lifelong learner i love what i am learning so that um i'm excited to just thinking about it as you're saying it um get to give my full attention to my to my clients and my classes
0: great um as we're speaking this airs in mid-january so your first sugar cleanse of the year will be underway by the time people are listening to this do you know yet what kind of programming you will have coming up over the rest of 2023
3: Uh, i will definitely have a summer cleanse because that keeps being in demand uh, but I am looking at some other types of classes that I'll be doing. And so group classes, I'll still be teaching for corporations. So a lot of those things aren't really publicly offered. Um, but I would just say, stay tuned to my Instagram, to my newsletters that share whenever I have something coming up.
0: Everybody who's listening, what I like about Shelly's offers is they're mostly remote and virtual. So wherever you are in the world, you can just participate and be part of them. Though, if you ever get a chance to work with her in person, I highly recommend it. Um, Shelly, thank you so much for making the time. Uh, wishing you the best of luck with school and your business and can't wait to see what 2023 has in store for you. Thank you. Um, yeah, thanks for checking back in. It's excited to catch up. Next, I caught up with Denise Rodriguez in Puerto Rico. Without a doubt, 2022 was a big year for Denise and her team at Colmena 66. In our conversation, we talked about what Colmena did to address issues around diversity, equity and inclusion a topic that already surfaced in her original interview in season one. And we chatted about who helped them work through some of these tough questions. Denise also shares their approach to impact reporting, a genius combination of data and metrics with personal stories and in-person networking events. Lastly, Denise takes us behind the scenes of their fourth annual Borikua Entrepreneur Fest, the first one in person since the pandemic. Find out how she and her team managed an event with 1,300 attendees, 59 sessions, 120 speakers, a pop-up marketplace with local businesses, and a resource expo featuring 70 business support organizations from around the island. Hi, Denise. It has been hi, Anika. over a year that we've talked. At the time of the recording, You just finished up the Boruquia Entrepreneur Fest. Please pronounce this for us. What is it called?
4: (laughs) Boricua Entrepreneur Fest. So close. All right, folks. Or we can call it the Bee Fest.
0: The Bee Fest. That's right. Uh, So we're recording this in early December. Uh, Denise just wrapped up a 14-hour day. And as you all know, if you've hosted events several weeks of leading up to this big Entrepreneur Fest in Puerto Rico, and I wanted to catch up with Denise because she was part of season one and I want to hear what the last year has brought.
4: Oh, it's great to see you again. I can't believe it's been a year and thank you for this opportunity to catch up. Um, I would say, I'm gonna start kind of calendar wise. So um, first quarter of this year, we were um, privileged to invite Del Gines of the federal reserve bank of kansas city um to join us in puerto rico for a two-day marathon we wanted to shake things up here in terms of inclusion diversity and equity and um and basically kind of like the situation locally in puerto rico is since everyone is hispanic then everyone is a minority then we kind of don't as a, culturally we kind of don't see through the lens of um, race and, and that bias um, and that systemic racism that does exist. So um, we wanted to kind of spearhead or kickstart that conversation locally as, in, as an entrepreneurship ecosystem mm-hmm. and, and with us we kind of put together a session around race and entrepreneurship so that was very exciting to kind of Um, Get our feet wet on and then and also kind of like, how do we kickstart a conversation that where there is so much culture and systemic racism and baggage and where people perhaps are not even aware that we should be having this conversation in the first place.
0: I remember you even brought that up in your interview when we talked at the beginning of 2022. You were saying you were talking about that exact aspect of what does underserved mean when everybody is already a minority and how do we tackle that? That's really fantastic. What are some other highlights from this year?
4: We pushed the envelope in terms of our, of how we um, collect data and track the um, progress of our individual and collective efforts as an ecosystem in Puerto Rico. And we published the first um, report on the state of the entrepreneurship community in Puerto Rico. This was in August and um, we wanted to push the envelope and really really did a deeper dive in terms of um, how do we do, we did a gap analysis and then a set of recommendations for a series of decision makers, public sector, academia, private sector, civil, civic society and others. Um, And so once we saw this project, this report kind of published, we were like this is too good to just send out in a newsletter and let it die. <laughs> so let's do an event around this. So we hosted the resource network um, and we wanted to put front and center the stories of entrepreneurs. So this event was around three, four entrepreneur stories um, and we, they are diverse between among themselves um, in terms of industry, gender and race. And we put them on stage and we wanted to kind of, um, we did a, a, some guiding questions that basically just put these numbers and data into context and real stories. And, um, and the result was amazing. The feedback was overwhelmingly special in terms of how people could really see um, their efforts in the flesh, right? Because many of these organizations had supported many of these entrepreneurs at some point in their journey, and we did that by design. We wanted to make sure that those up there had gone through more than two or three programs so that everyone is excited and proud of that moment.
0: Just listening to you talk, I have so many ideas on how I can apply so much of what you do in our ecosystem here. I think that is wonderful because I think everybody loves a good report, right? We put weeks and months of work into editing and collecting data and the right photographs and doing the layout and then you have the report and then you're right. It's like, now what? Are we just going to send it out into the void and see what happens? So I love that you capped it with this event and made it all around storytelling. That's really wonderful. Um, That sounds like you've had a really busy year. I'm going to make sure we put the link to the report in the show notes. I recommend everybody... Take a look at that report because it's incredibly well done. I love how you interwove a lot of the stories with the data to make it not just a data dump, but actually help people make sense of the numbers and the metrics that you collected. Um, That's great, Denise. As always, I'm not surprised. Every time I talk to you, I learn so much about what we all can do to better support our ecosystem and tell those stories. That's really cool. Quickly, because you just wrapped up the BeFest. How did the event go? This is not your first rodeo. You've done this many times. I think you took a break during COVID. Was this your first entrepreneur fest since COVID?
4: Actually, it was um so this was the yesterday was the fourth edition. Okay. But only the second one in person. So during COVID, we did two virtual sessions, 2020, 2021. And honestly, I was like if I had to do if I have to do this virtual once more, I'd rather not do it because there's a fatigue. <laughs> There's a like fatigue from us, but mostly the entrepreneurs. So um, we were lucky right, and privileged that we were able to do it in person. And we broke all records. We hosted 1,300 people yesterday. Um, our goal was 1,000. So we're very, very excited. Wow, that's amazing. And the most exciting thing is that people were... People were aware of the fact that it was a very diverse crowd in terms of age, gender. They were people with disabilities. There were um, entrepreneurs also in terms of ide- ideation stage versus scaling stage, among industries, and um, we were very intentional about about being about making this an event for everyone, so that it's truly equitable, inclusive, and also accessible. Um, And we curated an agenda of 59 sessions and 120 speakers um, with breakout sessions and tracks, um, keynote sessions. And at the same time, we were able to kind of serve other purposes or other needs of entrepreneurs. So for example, um, how do they connect with resources? So we had an expo, we call it the Beehive, and they were able to connect with over 70 business support organizations right there. We're also in the Christmas season and we wanna help entrepreneurs um, sell. So we had a pop-up market and people can buy local. Um, and then we had one of our business support organizations in our network that are um, that is women-led and it's for women, and they hosted a mentor booth with over 20 mentors that people could register 20 minute sessions with. Um, so all of this happening at the same time, kind of overwhelming by design, but rather just kind of people being able to gravitate to what better serves them. How
0: are you even upright today? That sounds like, <laughs> sounds like you've morphed into this amazing conference organizing organization and you must be so tired today.
4: I think I would be a lot more tired had this been virtual, because you're just fatigued. But the thing is that this tiredness kind of clashes with the energy that you get from people in their real-time feedback, and it just make, makes everything better. <laughs> and, and the fact that we were able to kind of link everything together, so the agenda was curated based on the needs that entrepreneurs tell us they have that were published in the report that I just mentioned.
0: So without a doubt, this was a big year for you, 2022. How have you changed throughout? You've been at the helm at all of these efforts. You clearly are putting in the hours and you're investing deeply in your community. What have you learned this year? How have you changed? Um, yeah, how have you changed?
4: I'm going to get very personal on this question and I appreciate that question. I think that it's been... I've, I feel particularly... Proud on one end, but also cognizant that I have a long way to go in terms of how do we lead a team of individuals. Um, I think it's been shifting and putting on top of my list in terms of priorities, taking care of my team, developing my team individually. individually so, not just like, oh, this is for everyone. No, how do I cater? to each and every individual in my team that has different interests, values, and needs. It's a lot of hard work, but honestly, I've learned that it's the best use of my time and investment because you see the ROI in terms of morale, in terms of the relationship, but better yet in terms of performance and goal setting and and hitting those, those, meeting those goals.
0: I love watching you grow on your journey of being this leader who has, you know, without a doubt, you have a lot of responsibility on your shoulders and that is not for everybody. But I think the results speak for themselves and just hearing you reflect on how you wanna be leading this team of really dedicated other ecosystem builders makes me really happy and excited to see what's next for Colmena. Denise, what are you excited about in 2023?
4: I am most excited about being extra focused hyper focused on making sure that everything we do is very aligned to our strategic plan to our value proposition as a program and aligned to meet our goals that it really is something that no one else can do in the ecosystem um so that we don't compete so that we don't duplicate efforts but also we avoid burnout as a team and everything that we do really moves the needle in Puerto Rico in the right direction. That's where all my focus is and, and our team's focus is right now.
0: Speaking of 2023 and things we're looking forward to, are you coming to the mainland at any point? Will there be a chance for us to actually meet in person and anyone who's listening to see you in person?
4: I would love to. So I'm, I, I know that you are at the Startup Champions um, event a few months ago. I want to go to one of those. Um, I'm also part of the ecosystem building leadership program. So let's see if we meet up again. So the answer is, I really, really hope so. I need to meet you in person. This has to happen, (laughs) Anika.
0: No. And I know this is not easy because you have a role. You are the keystone in this island-wide ecosystem. Uh, and everybody who hasn't yet listened to this episode with Denise Rodriguez in season one I really recommend you do because your approach to regional and island-wide ecosystem building is amazing but on top of that you are a mom you are a wife you are a daughter and for you to hop on a plane leave the island and come to the mainland is a really I think is a big deal so I just want to say if you do Thank you. I appreciate everything you're already doing for your community and for the field of ecosystem building because I know it's not easy when you wear so many different hats and you're trying to cater to so many different needs. Denise, are you reading something good right now that you can sort of send us on our way with? Any good resources?
4: I just finished reading Dale Guyne's book on ecosystems. Um, He dedicated it to me when he came. It was a gift that he gave me. So it was a really special book and it was. It was really interesting because it's kind of technical in terms of the progressions throughout the decades, in terms of economic development practices and how that has changed throughout the decades. So I think it was really good for me in order to speak the same language when I get in front of economic developers, especially in the in the public sector. Kind of helps me kind of, um, speak the same language and also um, build trust, which is very important in our work. So um, I really recommend it to anyone who's in our field.
0: I want to second that. I haven't read the book yet, but I'm going to put it on my reading list for 2023. And I'll make sure we put a link to his book into the show notes. I did a quick Google here. Ecosystems emerge by Del Gynes, PhD. Um, Fantastic. And I've heard other, especially people in the economic development space, recommend Del Gynes' approach to, to... makes sense of ecosystem building from an economic development standpoint. So excellent resource. Thank you, Denise. Um, I hope to have you back on the show sometime in 2023 or 2024 to catch up and see what else has been happening in the island. I hope I get to see you in person before that. And I just want to thank you for your time. I hope you can soak in the joy of having finished the Entrepreneur Fest and
4: take care of yourself and celebrate with your team. Thank you so much, Anika. And thank you for the work you do. This is such an important platform that you've created for all of us. And we truly appreciate all your hard work. Your storytelling abilities are amazing. I read every single newsletter and I enjoy it. (laughs) That makes me so
0: happy to hear. Thank you so much, Denise. Talk to you soon. In this last conversation of Where Are They Now? I caught up with Sassy from Zebras Unite. Since I last had her on the show to talk about the complexity of adaptive systems, Sassy and her wife welcomed their daughter into the world that they're both working so hard to make better. Sassy shares what's been happening behind the scenes of Service Unite and what we as a global community of do-gooders can look forward to in 2023. Sassy, it is so good to see you. We, uh, Before we hit record, we had a chance to catch up. Certainly, a lot has happened for you in the last year. By the time the audience listens to this, it will be mid-January of 2023. So tell me, what has changed in 2022? Any major developments, minor developments, personally, professionally, that you want to share with us?
5: You know, uh, just the uh, culmination of a literal 16-year journey to uh, manifest queer parenting. Uh, we have a baby.
0: Yay. <laughs> uh, my wife's
5: hand. Yes, it's amazing. Uh, as of today, she is six months old. Her birthday was, in, uh, was on June 14th of 2022, a whole two days early before my parental leave started, which was madness. But hey, you know, whatever, <laughs> babies come in their own time. She wanted to meet us. Um, yeah, her name is Eliza Skyboon Boon Chang Sassoon or Tian Yang or Zhang Tianyang. Oh, my Chinese is terrible. And she's fucking awesome. And, uh, it's, it's really fantastic. And it's also, I, I actually recently wrote a, uh, accidental six page long, um, bulletin points of our journey. I pasted it and I posted it on that book, my Facebook, and I'm probably going to be writing it up for a blog. Cause it turns out if you are attempting to, um, make a family as, uh, we're interracial and racially and socially justice conscious humans who aren't just willing to buy a baby. It's a journey. It's a, it's a long and tumultuous journey. And there were a lot of things I wish I had known that were not available to me. And so I decided uh, to write it down and I'm actually been probably going to be writing some sort of memoir about it because there's a lot of information that we learned that is just so relevant to people who are attempting to do better around you know race and and class and all flavors of life that just came to us and that we had to learn through our journey so i'm going to be sharing that with everybody so that everybody else doesn't have to learn it the hard way like we did um but regardless it's wonderful to be here now (laughs) and here we are and we have a healthy and awesome kid and life is pretty beautiful
0: and because I get to see you, I can attest to the fact that you don't look nearly as tired as I've seen some other <laughs> new parents and you have the biggest smile on your face. So um, yeah. wonderful! I'm so thrilled to hear yeah. things are going great. What about Zebras Unite? Um, I know as a young organization, there's always a lot of changes, constant growth and learning and development and rearrangement. Um, anything happened on that front in 2022 that has impacted how you go through the world and how you make change?
5: Absolutely. Um, This year, it felt like there was almost another similar parallel birth or rebirth process going on at Zebras Unite this year. I feel like we really... You know, if you if you think of it, if you think of um, all kinds of system change, especially as embodied in an organization, stewarding systems change, if you think of it as kind of, you know, ideally an upward toward progress spiral, where it's like a circle that you you kind of come back around. But hopefully each time you come back around, you've made incremental improvements. I feel like this year was a very steep spiral, but definitely a spiral. There was a lot of, of, of challenge like we had to face you know, the ways in which we were accidentally replicating, you know, either white supremacist or anti or, or racist structures inside ourselves this year. We had to face how patriarchy was reaching through our hearts and and producing, you know, bad interactions and how, you know, the the, the normal, especially startup endemic capitalist hustle culture was really just throttling some of our ability to do to do our work in the zebra way. Which is what we're attempting to really articulate, and this is so normal, right? Like ideals are easy to say and then extremely hard to practice, especially when they're new. Yes, um, but I, I can just, I can share that. You know, in the spring, we surfaced a lot of that, and people responded so well. Instead of saying that can't be true, what are you talking? How dare you? No, we were like, oh my goodness, I, I, I hear you. I hear that this is a topic we need to address. I see that we have to have a process for this and I'd like to go through that process. And you know, we kind of opened things, we experimented with a bunch of ways to talk about it and ways to be there for each other about it, to unpack things about it. And then I went on parental leave um, and unplugged completely um, and was entirely supported in that by my team. Everyone's like, get the heck out of here, what are you doing? Go, um, send pictures if you like. And then uh, when I returned in fall, I had real talk check-ins with all of the folks, especially the folks of color in the room who to say, you know, hey, how, how did that process go? How are we doing? Yeah. And I was met with a sense of, oh, yeah, no, we did that. We dealt with that. We have come back around the relationships that were most implicated in that were addressed, were surfaced, were solved. We have come back wow. together in a more solid form. And I, it's just so rare to see an organization that will actually do that. Um And it really left us stronger. So we came and then in the fall, we got to bring together for the very first time, almost our entire team of people who were still really showing up for the Dazzle District in a big, strong way. And both of our boards all in one room together. We actually took over a farmhouse. Uh, We had a trade with a client that we were helping and supporting. Um, And instead of, you know, giving them, them paying us and then us giving them back cash, we just decided to take money out of the equation. And so we did a trade and took over a farmhouse on their land, uh, this amazing Zebra Link project that has some land available to the community. And uh, for a week, we did nothing but work together and really dig in and look hard in the mirror about what were our hypotheses, what's changed, what has shown up differently Um, And there's been a bunch of uh, really amazing downstream effects from that that we're going to be really digging into in Q1. So I don't want to tease anything because you're going to you're going to read the blog posts. We're going to be sharing our strategic plan publicly. We're going to be doing a lot of learning in public next year. Um, We really came around to just all the ways that like we want to share what we did internally for the world so that there's at least a roadmap of how does one zebra? Well, at least here's one data point Um, and a really rich one at that.
0: I love that because, so there's a couple of things as you were talking. Number one, what I so admire about Zephyrus Unite is it's almost like you do surgery on yourself in public and invite everybody to watch where nobody likes surgery, but when you as a team, then something is off, you pull the brake. You're like, okay, wait, 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 we got to cut this back open and see what's going on which is so hard to do. And I really respect that you hold each other accountable to do that. And I think secondly, something you said is certain patterns creep back in because we have been raised in a culture where this is so deeply embedded and steeped that the moment you stop paying attention, it's really easy for those thoughts and mindsets and perspectives to creep back in without us even noticing. So it sounds like a really, really exhausting journey for everyone on the team. It's almost like you're constantly on the lookout to do it. And it's so easy to think, hey, we just went through DEI training. We're good. It's like, we checked that box. We're done. But no, no, you're never done. You keep doing it. And I really, really respect that you guys always keep your eyes and minds and hearts open to those kinds of trends and constantly go back to saying, hey, we need to check ourselves and we have to have the hard conversations. So kudos to you. I love everything you learned and I can't wait for you. I think that's really the important thing is I've learned a lot of lessons this year, but if you don't reflect on them and you don't share them out for others, then really what's the point of learning any lessons? <laughs> if you don't reflect and change your behavior. Right,
5: like, okay, yay. Like Exactly. Right? Like, I benefited myself. Maybe my teammates, but actually, like it would be like the the honor of this struggle would be so increased if we were able to share and like others were able to learn from it. And you no, know, not it's not like others won't make mistakes. And like it's not like I, I like to think of of uh, the process of of going through like working against all of these like hegemonic systems, right? Like racism, classism, the, the hustle culture, all this stuff. I think of it as weeding. Never done. You're never done weeding, but it's important to do and everything is better for the weeding um and so yeah we would help other people weed and discover bright new ways to weed um and that would be
0: that would be better because if others if others had done it before zebras united it might be it would be a little easier for zebras Unite to do it but because there is no textbook no playbook on how to do it you are writing it in real time and i think sharing those insights and lessons super super relevant for the universe of zebras and those who are becoming some. Yeah. Um. So an eventful year, yeah. 2022. Sassy, what are you looking forward to in 2023? What is something you're really excited about? Ooh.
5: So, um, for myself, I'm just really excited to watch and participate in this baby growing and becoming a human. Uh, it's pretty rad. Um, I have, uh, I as I think folks may remember from my previous uh, pain about uh, all of the ways in which I was privileged to grow up in cooperatives. Um, I was raised in a daycare co-op, and we have a friend, a couple friends who were also adopting, which we were trying to do for a long time, who actually got placed with a kid who is three days older than our kid. Um, at the last minute, they got an emergency placement, so and they live just a few blocks away. So we're actually uh, going to be and we are already creating a micro daycare co-op um and uh, that's pretty rad they also lived in in cooperatives and they actually owned a house which they turned into a co-op for a long time so that's personally very exciting to get to to pass that on and create new chosen family uh like i had the benefit of and then at zebras we're just we we really solid i think part of the results of the learning that we did this year was that we've really focused and honed and we've been able to really take lesson and learning from what is rather than what we hypothesized or wished to be. And that just gives you such a firm footing on which to stand and then reach for the next thing. So this year, um, we just put together our strategic plan. There is just so much good and actually achievable stuff in there, right? Like instead of being stuck in... Uh, The kind of harmful way in which, especially women, especially folks of color, especially anyone who's not a cis white male with economic privilege and an able body, et cetera, is forced to speak in startup culture where the aspirational and like the sky is real and you have it, you can promise it. We're instead speaking for the real. We're saying this is doable. This is achievable. You can really count on us to actually deliver on this because we know we can do it and behave and act in right alignment and have a business that doesn't burn people out and treat each other well and promise what we can deliver. It's just really, it's really like coming back and, and healing some of our founders who are just like so used to having to speak in that way. So there's some just really exciting stuff that we're going to be collaborating. We've kind of resolved some tensions and we're going to be actually focusing in on making, uh, making a, especially a lot more, uh, we're moving a lot more capital to around and into Zebra ecosystems. And we're empowering a lot more people to really show up in very specific ways uh, for the movement and for themselves. So it's going to be pretty exciting.
0: Pretty exciting indeed. Sassy, um, I know it might be a little bit early to share, but are there any events where we can catch you? Where are zebras going to be? Where are you going to be? Are there any conferences on the horizon that you know in twenty twenty three you will attend what are some what are some ways to get in touch with you and see you
5: yeah um so in in uh, in twenty twenty three I'm hopefully going to be um actually launching some of my own kind of uh, uh, workshops that I'm going to do for folks who really want to just learn more. Um, And I'm probably going to try and do four of those a year just in my own at-hat as sassy facilitation because there's a few things that folks are really wanting. Um, I'm always at the the different kinds of co-op conferences. Uh, I was a founding member of the California Center for Cooperative Development's multi-sector co-op conference. I'll definitely be there again. Probably that will be in April. And we're actually going to be launching an entirely Um, like a a whole pillar of what we're calling zebra experiences which is where we're just now that it is safe to do so going to convene in person regularly as zebras Um, and so it's very, very exciting. Um, we're already starting to see some of that as we're activating the the chapter program and we're rebooting that for the chapter leaders that are really, really excited to move into that future with us. And um, uh, yeah, there's some also some internal pivots and we're going to be allocating some real powerhouse energy to that. So stay tuned for the exact schedule, but it's going to be amazing.
0: Fantastic. I'm so excited to hear it. And I have to plug the Zversi Unite newsletter. It is so rich. There is so much going on in your universe at all times. The online community is thriving and there's a lot going on there. So whoever wants to plug in, I feel like 2023 if you're not part of Zivers Unite already, you will find a way to become part of the Zivers universe if that's what you want. Mm-hmm. Um, last question, Sassy. Um, have you been reading anything good or do you have any resource you want to share with us as we start into the new year? Ooh, um, I I recently read I'm um, finally
5: uh, read uh, Holding Change by Adrienne Marie Brown uh, I believe that's her name I always get her name wrong because I mix it with Brene Brown but uh, that Holding Change uh, book for f- facilitators of deep change processes that one I recently reread is really good um, and then I've been reading a lot of sci-fi and I read the I reread recently the Old Man's War series by John Scalzi and I'm a firm believer in the power of science fiction to help us future build and look at the different ways in which we're showing up in our world right now. And that particular series just has so much to say about the power of micro civic action of like, societies are only made by how individual people show up with the duty of being true to each other. And I think that one's really come around to me uh, recently again of like, yeah, you can't change the world, but you can change your world.
0: And so that's uh, that's just a big one for me these days love it sassy um i can't thank you enough for your time it's been so good to see you i'm so glad to hear that parenthood is off to a great start for you guys and i'm super excited to see what Zeros unite has in store for us for 2023 thanks for catching up thank you for sharing and uh hopefully we'll have you back on the show at some point to tell us what else exciting is happening in your world amen yes go forth and do change (laughs) (laughs) go forth and do change i love it thank you sassy I don't know about you, but I loved hearing about what Charlton, Shelley, Michelle, Denise and Sassy have been working on. I'm even more excited to see how their plans and dreams will shake out over the coming month. Because if we've learned one thing throughout the show, it's that the only constant is change. With that, I'll take a word from Sassy's book, Go Forth and Do Change. I will be back with season five in early February. And I cannot wait to start writing this fifth chapter of our playbook together with you. Thanks for everything that you do. Annika. I pay my respect to the traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live. The Monacan, Tula, and Manahawk people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.